All right, why don't you introduce the show and then introduce my mom? Oh, wait, whoa, How whoa. fun. How fun for you. What? What do you mean, introduce Rap- the show? We're rapid fire intros. I thought we were done with that. You said three, and we were done. No, we're going to keep doing it. Okay, then you do it. Well, before I do, Mom, can you just speak into the microphone and say anything, literally anything? Anything. Literally anything. That's what I do. That's honestly exactly what she does when I tell her to do that. Um, yeah, that's perfect. You're what else would you say? Right. The last thing I said was I was thinking about mashed <laughs> This is I Love You Therapeutically, a show where we talk about mental health and how... Honey, don't swear. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Mom. I'm Ben. I'm Ellie. And this is a podcast. And we have a very special guest today. The most special guest. The specialist. uh, My personal hero and mentor. And um, it's my mom. (laughs) She is a mother of eight and many more pseudo-adopted children who, who use our house like they would their own, which is amazing. She has created communities not only in her home, but also in her church, in her school. She is someone that lifts up and inspires all of those around her and carries the emotional weight of all of her children constantly. So she is one of the strongest, most insightful, most powerful people I know. And we want her on the podcast to kind of give some context for, um, I don't know. (laughs) Great. No, we just want her on the podcast because she's no amazing. Idea. We have zero clue. Yeah, because I'm so awesome according to you. It's amazing. It's I thought you were about so to cry. amazing. <laughs> she is amazing. I thought you were going to make her cry for yes. real. I told Ben earlier, I want you to adopt me. Yes, I'll adopt uh, you. Oh, see? I'm in. He goes, you're going to have to get in line. Well, the coffee really helped. I'm not going to lie. He, that was, But that was like all him. That's well, true. he knows. He does. It is a ticket into the house. I was telling her that most friends I wouldn't have been allowed of family, <laughs> would have. most friends, they do that though. Like, they bring coffee. They know to bring coffee. So Two nice. large, hot black coffees from McDonald's. But it does sound like I'm kind of bitchy. Are you bitchy? I don't know. Who no. says Some, A lot of people feel compelled to do it. Like, ah, Do you want to meet my mom? <laughs> 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 then we no, can talk I f- bitchy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's how people perceive it. Well, maybe they don't. I don't know. The way that my family works, too, like, my mom would never let us just, like, drop in. Ever. She would be like, you're not doing that at my house. No way. I'm not being on your podcast. I'm not listening to that. Shout out to my mom. <laughs> She's great. Yay, mom. But yeah, so I feel like it was, my parents raised me to be very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Independent. No. Distant. Cur- courteous? Yeah, like <laughs> respectful and have you know, <laughs> boundaries. Yes. Boundaries. Respectful is a really good one. Like don't overstay. You're so, welcome. Yeah. Like, you know, like respect <laughs> the adults. Like so many things like that. So I took it as like, listen, she's letting me use her house and- I want her to like me. Yeah. My how kids do you, didn't how get do you... that anyways. You know, that was, I couldn't manage that one, I guess. No, that's not true. <laughs> My kids are very respectful and very courteous, but yeah. home is like the base. So mom. <laughs> yes, son. Um, now is your chance to tell the whole world that I'm your favorite so that Oliver can stop <laughs> um, lying on social media about it. Yeah, but it's on his Facebook that's true. On and my it's brother's always Facebook. Been there. It's very important to him, but we're not taking it away. Ooh, he, he does shut a- down. actually in his bio he says favorite child. Yes. And that means a lot when you're to him one it of means eight. a lot. Yeah. But we all know the truth. It's Harrison. No, I think <laughs> I think the youngest is always. Well, that's what they've all decided. They decide. It changes often. I mean, it used to be Alex. She she did a lot for him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously there's no favorite. There is not you, a favorite at you all. You do a really good job of loving each of us. 
it's going to be different because I try to love you as individuals. Not everybody needs the same thing. Yeah. Wow, that's like accurate of, of our kids too. We were just talking about how every kid in our door or on setting, like at, at our work, needs like a different like approach, like how we love them. And that's exhausting. <laughs> Therapeutically. Therapeutically. <laughs> so one of the things that we were talking about um, earlier is how our job is basically like being a foster parent. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we get the kids from school and then we just spend the rest of the day with them doing activities, doing their chore, doing their shower, doing their meal stuff. I think it might be cool to kind of hear your thoughts on like on parenting, on what it would be like, because you've been in a similar situation too. Like our house has literally become the foster home for a yeah. lot of kids. All of our friends, we each have a friend that's like that. So I don't know. I love that. Yeah, it's really honestly amazing yeah it is amazing it is amazing that i could do it yeah because it's not always easy but i always think about my intention because without my intention i couldn't do any of it because it has to be very it has to be real and so my gut reaction is nobody's coming in my house it's a mess i haven't prepared and then my reality is so what they want to come if they judge they judge i can't worry about it so the after school thing's really that's a key thing and a very important thing for kids one of the things that we talk a lot about in our job as pseudo parents is how high the burnout rate is for people. It's such an emotionally taxing job. And it's something that I know you've struggled with over the years with eight children and being as involved as you are and being as empathetic as you are. What are some things that you do to sort of be able to do it over and over again? I really have to rely on my faith and my intention. So knowing what my intention is all the time really helps me get through it. Because most of the time, I just want to throw the towel in and say, forget it. I should not be reminding them of this. I don't want to have them say, talk quietly. I don't want to say, shut the door, put the toilet seat down. I don't want to. But I feel like, for example, the kids that are home still, they're here for a reason. It doesn't matter what their age is. They still need something. And what's my job, right? To lead by example. So I've always kept that in the back of my mind. What is, what, what is your intention? Oh, I was going to say that. Who the hell knows? Do you want to ask it and then I can edit out mine? No, no, that was good. No, you can ask it. She said she doesn't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I do know my intention. Absolutely. What is your intention? My intention has always been to put people out into the world that are whole, that have had the ability, the time, the people to support them, a place to call home, to go back to, people that are whole in general. And they've been given the time so that they can contribute to the world and not necessarily just take and drain, you know, be a drain. That's amazing. <laughs> it's hard work. I, I really was, like, starting to tear up. <laughs> yeah, consistency of faith. And it was the little things like going to church every single Sunday. I didn't make them go and believe it, but they had to go and present with proper clothing, proper behavior, interacting with adults. I thought that that was really important for their overall growth, not necessarily because I wanted to torture them. You know, and I wanted them all to believe what they wanted to believe at the end of the day. It wasn't my thing to put on them, but to give them as many opportunities to grow as possible. Yeah, and to grow authentically. Yes. Like, it's interesting looking at all of my siblings, all of your children, because we're all so freaking different. You know what I mean? We all have some overlapping things and some shared values, like church, like having faith, even if we don't, like, believe. We recognize the importance of the community. Church is a part of all of our lives. It's something we think of fondly, um, regardless of our sort of faith status. But individually, you've given us the opportunity to embrace our interests, 
And like you said, to take the time to sit in that space before you act so that we can decide from an, a, a, an authentic, real place, who do I want to become? Like you definitely had some ideas for us. Yes. But you let us figure it out for ourselves, which is really hard to do as a parent, I'm sure. Yeah, and hard to let you know that as a parent, you, you go into it with your own little ideas, right? We all yeah. do that. Mm -hmm. And as you grow into the job, you realize you, that's about you, not them. So to continue to present the opportunities and have them not take it is so difficult. But Ben was the one that saved me on that one. He changed it all. What do you mean? <laughs> when we were in Boston that day and we went to meet the Harvard coach, mm. and I was just like so sad because we weren't going to go to Harvard and blah, 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 blah. You know, my story, my sad, my ideal, perfect life. And he said, Mom, you don't have to be sad that I'm not going to Harvard because I could have. I could have gone. I can go. You gave me that. You got accepted at Harvard? Well, we were doing a roundabout. I was being recruited for rowing, and so I was going to all of the Ivy League schools nice. for these special visits. But then I decided to take a year off instead of going to school. <laughs> And I, didn't, right. I, and I didn't want to be a student athlete. And this is, again, I, this is actually a really good example. That's a really good example mm -hmm. of what my mom does. Her dream for all of us is, like, every parent to go yeah. to the best college, to have the most opportunities. We literally just talked about this. That's, that's crazy because you said exactly what he said. He said, my mom has this ideal, oh, right. like, picture of do. life. And then she just said, my ideal, perfect yeah. life. And that's just a fantasy that we all have. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be this kind of mother. I'm going to be free and everybody's going to just be in love and... You know, you all have a, a perfect, because it's usually the opposite of your parents, generally. Yes. Yeah, there's always that pushback. <laughs> yeah. So it's just been such an incredible privilege to do this. It really yeah. is. And to see it, to see it evolve. Because there's years that I feel like oh, the pain, the pain, the pain every day, and just having to keep going with the positive, the affirmations, the belief, the not ripping their head off, <laughs> doing all the bad things I want to do. Because <laughs> I'm human. Took that Barbie's head off. <laughs> I am human in not thinking the worst, which I always do, but just helping them. And, and it shows up in my job, too, because I have a job in food service. And I see these kids come, and you know that we can affect them just by saying something positive. Same with your job. Yeah. It's like we have the power, all the people that are working with these kids. Yeah. Yeah, and one one of the things that our director keeps reminding us of, because, I mean, like parenting, <coughs> the job we do is super hard because the kids don't act the way you want them to, is she will always say, like, these kids are here for a reason. They're not supposed to behave. Mm -hmm. they're, not, they're not going to behave. So adjust your expectation. And what you're saying about intention is, is about wholeness and about giving them space to grow. And so even though... Our actual job is to prompt and to give expectations for the, the type of behavior that we want to see that's socially appropriate, that's acceptable. The real work comes in creating the space for them to have their reaction in a safe way. Like it's our job is not to create cookie cuts mm -mm. Of, of the ideal person. Our, Robots. We're not <laughs> exactly. We're not programmers. We're here to create a, a therapeutic environment. Um, in the work that, that you do in the food service, um, working at the school, you, you were saying that you, even though I think a lot of people would not think of that job as some place where you could have a big impact, um, 
what are what are some ways that you that you do have impact or that where your intention is to create a a better happier space for these kids well i just remember being a kid and going in the cafeteria was a struggle if you weren't this outgoing child and you know people looking at you you don't know what to do so you're kind of afraid to do it and nobody was there to welcome you and say hey come on over here try this so i look at these kids and lunch ladies and i and i love my people love them but a lot of them come from a hard place and so when they have a kid that's not you know toe in the line standing there quietly in line as a sixth grader full of hormones not touching anybody or doing anything wrong they want to go back and forth with the kid and i absolutely don't allow it i say that's the kid you're going to love the most that's the kid you're going to look in the eye and say you're a great kid i care about you you know just don't play and that's the one thing i've noticed that really makes a difference and the best thing that comes out of it which is an un i didn't even know this was going to happen it changes the person mm-hmm. Is that not our job? It's, a, it's exactly our job. <laughs> Do you work with us and we, we just don't know? Find <laughs> something that's good. Just find it. Just say something good. Look them in the eye. That's something huge for us, too. It's like we're prompting, prompting, prompting all day long. But we also make it a huge point to be like, hey, great job doing this. If, even if they had a horrible day, find one good thing they did and, like, congratulate them. Like, tell them they did a good job because that means a lot, too, is, like, not always putting them down. That's right. And it's easy to do because it's that thing of what ha- what's wrong with them. It's like what happened to them, like Oprah Winfrey's book. And it's the truth. It's the God's honest truth that we're not born that way. The majority of people, something happened to them. That 12-year-old doesn't want to be an asshole full time. He doesn't want to throw the rocks. He doesn't want to do anything. He wants somebody to love him and hold him and show that he's worth the fight. And this is where I'm going to get a little bit more therapeutic, too, because that's huge obviously in my profession it's nature versus nurture like there's like always aspects of both but i also believe very strongly that uh nurture is a huge part of it like you said like we all come into the world the same way we're all babies and like maybe we do have something off but something happens as a baby like maybe you were like a bad baby you know what i mean because of that thing that was off and then you were treated a certain way and now you are a certain way and -hmm. something that a lot of people don't know which i really like to talk about is babies remember things they don't consciously remember things, but, but the they're, psyche. yes, their body remembers their, it's like, it's there and they don't, they can't have, like, pull up a memory and, like, think about it, but it's affecting them every day. Like, babies who witness things, babies who experience things, like, w- from birth, they're experiencing things. The first thing that they need to experience is attachment, secure attachment. So if they're not experiencing that, their mother is not around very often. Like, say she's even just, like, working, like, not even like she's abandoned him or anything. Like, she's working and she's just not there enough. That, that, that little tiny thing can, like... Changes the yeah. trajectory of that child's life. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so important that the majority of people in this country that are working with children don't know that. They don't know that the first three months of life, they have no memory per se. You know, it start, the brain starts to develop at the very end, you know, that very bottom reptile brain, and it moves up. So in those first three months of life, when that baby is not attended, like when people say, oh, let them cry, it's good for their lungs... That is not true. <laughs> that is pure abandonment. That affects your very beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's Especially not that young. Zero to three months is very important in the memory game because of exactly that. They have a memory, but it's not the same kind of memory. It's the gut core level memory. Yeah. Am I worthy? 
am I going to be picked up? Is anybody going to hold me? And they don't know it, but right. that's what it is. And they're taking in everything around them. Everything. And like, they're building. Like, okay, when I cry, nobody's going to come get me. If nobody looks at me when they're nursing, my mother's looking away, that affects them. Right. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot. So, Ben, yeah. I did the first three months really well, okay? Because I knew that. I believe it. Just know, the first three months of all of your lives, it was all about you. And she was exhausted. And what? I nursed like this. Staring at you. Yeah, I love you, baby. <laughs> That's a real thing. Babies can only see so far. No, 12 inches. It. I believe it. I believe it. I, I definitely feel like I was held as a baby. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I wonder if I was. Well, I just love, I love how much thought you put into every part of our life. I mean, our library is full of books about childhood development. So my mom is basically a psychologist. She's read all of the books. She yeah, has all that. of the theories mm-hmm. and all of the thoughtfulness of it. But what's amazing is because it's practical experience, it's so embedded in who she is that it just comes out constantly. Like every conversation comes back to these key things, which is why a lot of the time I don't... <laughs> I'm a bad son. He's a bad what? son. I don't communicate very well really with her almost... because it's it's always the same thing. It's the same thing because it's, it's because she has she's because she's right. I just know what I know, and it's <laughs> hard to have wisdom yeah. and to watch them suffer so unnecessarily. Do you listen to your parents? I struggle. <laughs> she's saying no. I, I don't struggle. listen to my. Neighbor. I have to. I have to learn it for myself. I have to learn. Yeah, it for myself, I feel yeah. the same way. But that but I, I do like, listen, and that's okay. You hear it, and then you decide to ignore it. Well, I hear it. <laughs> that's a yes. Yeah, it's a I yes. do too. I do too. I think that's just that's like part of development, right? That's normal, yeah. right? You have to make your own mistakes. You have to, and that's so hard for a mom to watch, being like, "I know what's gonna happen. I know what's better," and then being like, "But you have to go through it anyway." Yeah, that's been my whole thing for the last two years. Let go. Let go. Wow. Yeah. That's what my ring says. Does Let it really? Go. Yeah. And this one says, "Be happy." <laughs> yeah. Letting go is hard, though. Especially as a parent, mm. because so much of your heart and your life and your I don't know. It's like such a commitment. I can't, I just, I can't even fathom being a parent and having to commit the rest of your life to this child. Nope. Knowing how much of a shithead they're going to (laughs) be. I can't imagine being a person that can look at a five-year-old and hate them. Oh God, no, that's. I just can't fathom that. Like a human being, these little kids that just are so not cared for Mm -hmm. on so many levels. It's interesting. We have a, I think we have a lot of guys who, have this really early childhood trauma mm-hmm. that they can't place and and often like the adopted we, children the adopted oh, and we so don't have many. records of it like that's the thing it's like so you sad. see a lot of the trauma that they have experienced we oh don't yeah know we about. don't know we, we don't know, know anything about. yeah and that makes our jobs a lot harder because if we knew maybe we could like focus our treatment in a certain way maybe like just the clinicians like not, not so much us but i think having that information like we sometimes we have like no information yeah like even recent information we don't have yeah and that makes it so much harder because we don't understand them and one thing that i've been told i think it was uh the principal of the school who said it to someone else and i heard it from them um the reason that these kids are like targeting you or being so mean to you is because they're hurting so much that's the only thing they know is to hurt other people that's all they know because they were taught that by being hurt you know what I mean? So, like, when a kid is, like, calling me names and, like, being mean, and sometimes they, like, know what will get under your skin. Like, they're, like, they know your buttons to push. They've been taught. And it, and it hurts. And, like, I mean, how many times have you seen me cry? Just, 17. Just, just on Wednesday. <laughs> this week, yeah. This week, yeah, for real. But they they know how to do that because they've been trained. Yeah. That's all they know, and that's how they've been 
handled. I mean, taught these kids in orphanages, they're born and sometimes they don't even ever get held. The kids that fare better are the ones that actually share a crib. But they are behind on social skills, on communication, on just general development. Mm -hmm. Can't walk. So everything's so much harder and they have that separation. When is that the detachment disorder or something where they can't attach because they've been so left out there floundering? Yeah. Well, they've been detached their whole life. They don't. So it's hard they need to, to learn build, how to attach. <laughs> to attach and feel safe. Yeah. And have consistency. Right. And they're finding now, which is so interesting, is, and I was thinking about you guys when I was listening to this. <laughs> so the hopeless of the hopeless, you know, the girl in the window, all those terrible things you hear about the kids that have been, you know, terrible things. So it's about the things they need the most that you need when you're born is that consistency, safety. And they start out slow, and they actually try to reverse the whole process. Who's they? It's like the psychologists when they're working with these kids that have been so hurt. They have to reverse it in a way that give them a soft blanket. This child wanted to be covered up all the time over their, her head. So that was all she knew. So they made sure she had a beautiful soft blanket that smelled nice. So to try to change the way the brain interpreted safety. And they've had great success with it. So it's like the opposite of what they're giving you. They want the opposite, but you have to try to find a way to reach them that way. That's so true. Like, based off what I just said, is like yeah. they're being so mean, but all you're going to do is kill them with kindness, and, like, eventually it will. Yeah. Like, like they always say, like, like when we are, like, kind of, like, hard on the kids or, like, you we, have we to punish be. them or whatever, they respect you more because yes. that's what they want. Like, how, how often that kid that was in your old dorm would beg. He would be like, I need someone to hold me accountable. I need structure. And, like, I feel like a lot of people weren't giving it to him because he's he so difficult. Yeah. He's really smart, but really mean. Yeah, mean. <laughs> he's, oh. he's very manipulative. and That's difficult. Yeah. But he, he says that all the time because he knows that. And he knows that he's intimidating to, like, newer, shyer staff. That's his job. Right? And that's his intention. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. He plays off that. He, he's, he smells your fear. And he's like... Oh, I'm going to do whatever I want because yeah. she's not going to do anything. And that's how he used to be with me. Honestly, he still is. I still don't do well. <laughs> He's difficult for me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's amazing, too, because it's so deeply embedded in him that you will have moments where he's like, it's almost like he's lucid. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he's like very rational. Like, yeah, I, I see that I'm doing these things. I don't want to be doing them. But then like two seconds later, he's calling you a fucking bitch mm-hmm. and like, just berating you with every insult that he can think of and he's pretty freaking good at it so he's got some good ones Mm. um and so it's almost an uncontrolled response and part of it's probably from this some deeply embedded childhood like trauma or abandonment or whatever is that uncomfortable for you or abusive parents that fought with each other you know just having hearing it parents hearing that makes you insecure and angry my brother will tell everybody no, no, he won't. He'll tell his close family and friends that he is, quote unquote, messed up because my parents got divorced when I was six and he was eight. It, I, I don't like feel like it affected me that much. I'm sure it did. And I've like compartmentalized it. But I don't remember it as much as him. He was eight. So he had a more developed memory and a more sense of what was going on. But there was also times like Sunday nights, I would always get really, really sad. And I'd be like, oh, it's because it's I have school tomorrow. Yeah, I I would just like hit like 5 p.m. and then it clicks for me. <laughs> Sundays at 5 p.m. Even now, I'm 26. I own a house. You know what I mean? Uh, 5 p.m. is when my dad would bring us back from his house to my mom's. Wow. And I it took me Weird. years. I was in college 
when I realized that this is why I get sad on Sunday nights. I miss my dad. I miss my dad like all the and time. you don't want to go back. And yeah. Then... And when I moved in with my dad, it got better <laughs> because he was always there. But it still hits me like Sunday nights. I just have this like embedded feeling like Sunday night you get that. pit in your stomach. It's I would like... go home from my dad's house and just cry. And my mom would be like, uh, you know what I mean? Like what? Like I'm here. And I'd be like, no, I want my dad. When you're that young, I mean, you need both. I only got to see my dad every other weekend. So it was mm. like, it was hard. And then my every brother. other. Wow. Yeah, it was really, it was bad. And then my brother started cutting himself and like, it just got really, really bad. And he's still to this day super depressed, but we'll never go to therapy. We'll never, like he yells at me sometimes for getting too deep. He'll be like, don't therapize me. And we're best friends. So we talk about everything. And he will always say like, I'm messed up because they got divorced when we were young. But he holds on to that. Yeah, That's his thing. But he also won't go any deeper than that. I'm like, you know what I mean? There's so many more layers to it. Mm-hmm. And he won't let me. Unpack. He's probably <laughs> just afraid. You know, oh, That's he's vulnerable. So afraid. So vulnerable. Yeah. And also men in general struggle oh, with yeah. being vulnerable. Mm. Which is, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I feel like that was targeted. No. Uh, and this goes back to that idea of giving them space to be their authentic self because we don't know what's behind it. Mm-hmm. Like we, we're going to have our own perception of why they're being difficult or why they're having a certain struggle. But it's often something that they might not even recognize and something that they're not ready to deal with. So how do you how do you help a kid when they're not even sure why they're acting the way they are? Send them to therapy. And be like <laughs> like you were saying, mom, be at some point. Like you were saying, mom, like the, the intention is so important. If your intention is to help them become whole, then you can, it's going to take time. If your intention is to have the perfect behavior every single time, you expect it immediately and they're never going to grow because it's just, you don't give them the space and the opportunity. Yeah. Or if you're trying to force them into this box of like what you want them to be, like my brother went through a phase of wearing eyeliner and black nail polish oh yeah and my mom was like oh hell no no son of mine like because she's too worried about what everybody else thinks so she's like we need to perceive ourselves as this perfect family where boys don't wear eyeliner or nail polish and then i went through a phase of being like a total tomboy where i'd only wear boy clothes and she told me she was disappointed in me and we had this like push and pull from both sides and then we both moved in with my dad. <laughs> we were like, bye, mom. We know we're going to go live with dad. Yeah, and it, that, that changed a lot for me personally. I don't want to take too much of your time, mom, because I know you're getting ready for a super exciting trip somewhere. What are you doing for two days? I'm going to, well, three days. Oh, wow. To That's P-Town. You're going to P-Town? What are you going to do there? Just hang out with the gays. <laughs> yeah, remember when you asked me if Providence was the gay, yeah. gay town? No, it, I was thinking P-Town. P-Town. What is P-Town? Provincetown. Provincetown. Oh. It's the very tip of Cape Cod, right? I guess. It's really far away, but that's are where Are you all going with your work friends? The gay people Yes. Are. Oh, that's going to be so fun. That is fun. My lesbian boss and her lesbian wife, <laughs> Donna and Bonnie, who I adore. Love yeah, that. they're amazing. And really? they're amazing. And then Gina that I work with and Denise. But Ladies I don't want to go. You don't want to go? She, no. D- she has a hard time with stuff like that. She has a hard time relaxing. I don't oh, want to go. Same. I don't want to be out of my environment. I don't want to be... Homebody. She's a homebody. Same. I just want to do what I want to do. Oh, same. And literally has... Never. Never been able to do that. Well, eight kids, right? Mm. <laughs> because every day, I still have eight kids. Oh, yeah. That will Whether never go Whether they're 30 <laughs> or 100. And I have to be willing every single day. And I realized that today. It's like, forget about it. This is forever. 
I have to be willing to give it up for the greater good. You can't shut the machine down now. I just have to have better boundaries. Oh, boundaries. Boundaries. Don't get me started oh, on man. boundaries. That should, have, that should be what we talk. Next time we have you on, we can have a whole conversation about boundaries. boundaries. It's actually what we've been doing in our lightning trainings during yeah. the week. Uh, um, I've been called out. Oh, that's right. Ah. Wait, you got called out for having bad boundaries? Yeah, because she literally said, she was like, for example, if you have a, a bunch of staff over for a party over the weekend, oh, right. the kids yeah, don't yeah, need yeah. to know that. I was like, what? <laughs> Tell me that wasn't about me. I mean, yeah, that's... Uh, it's, it's, it's impossible. It's like that <laughs> separation. But you both have a difficult job because going into it, you have to know what your intention is. Yeah. Saving the world, saving a kid, doing the status quo. What? How are you going to approach it? Because you'll get lost. There are some people that get into the work because they are they are looking to fill something in themselves. Like the relationship is important for them as well. I, I mean, it's true for anybody in yeah, the mental health absolutely. field. You're 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 doing something because you want to develop these kinds of relationships, but. There's a way to do it which is self-serving, and there's a way to do it which is always focused on the other. Mm. And it's hard to find that balance when, when you're dealing with your own shit. Yeah, yeah so mine's clear-cut. I'm yeah. the parent, so of course I'm going to have that investment. Yeah. And at school I only have two minutes with every child, so make the most of it. But you guys are in a totally different situation. So many hours. <laughs> so many hours of <laughs> difficulty. So, I mean, this is a job of empathetic people, mm-hmm. of heart-led people. Mm-hmm. And so when you're coming from a place of, genuine care it's easy to fall into that trap where you can't erect those boundaries and keep a safe distance and keep your intention clear um and i mean we've seen it like people get too attached it's oh, so it's I so easy imagine. to get sucked I can't in imagine. and boundaries are hard for me because i'm so open okay but the thing i wanted to talk to you about um <laughs> that wasn't it no is oh. um this book by oprah and oh. um she wrote dr it? perry because we're going to do so we're going to do a book review on it and we're going to have a whole episode where we talk about it but just kind of introduce the subject and why you think it's so powerful and important for this field for people to have that perspective because you've been recommending it to me now for a solid month and I did get it so I do listen to you sometimes oh proof well you know proof. that I'm right on this Ben no for sure I mean, I have studied, I have done all of this work, so if I say a book is the answer, it's the answer. (laughs) That's big facts. I know all of those ins and outs, and it's been a, I mean, this whole industry is just so fluid. So they're learning so much more about the brain. Well, Oprah and this Dr. Perry, Oprah knows it's not, he's a bad kid. Oprah's what happened to you. And that's the whole premise of this book is we can't look at it that way, and so it's a difficult, difficult listen. You know, this parts of the book, I don't want to hear. I mean, it's too painful for me personally. And you'll probably all find that in, at some point in that book where it's too real. And you know that, like, you might decide, Ben, that I was a terrible parent. when you. And, and this can happen to anybody, the best parents in the world. I mean, I'm not saying that don't, you know, I don't want people to listen to it because I might be a bad parent. That's irrelevant. The important thing is is to learn from it and move and grow towards something better and that's what this book will do for you guys it will give you like I said about the really hard kids and them working on switching it like kids that were sold into prostitution and the yeah this one kid that they I'll just give you this one quick example he came to the school he had been badly beaten by his father and sexually abused and sold into you know sex trade and blah blah blah. and he was just never cared for never cared for well he ended up 
being unconscious and being brought to the hospital. And this Dr. Perry went to see him, and this kid was bad. It was really bad. He was so detached and just had so many issues that it was almost like hopeless. Like, how are we, what are we going to do here? So the kid ended up going to the school, and they were working with him, and they were doing that thing of trying to reverse what happened to him, like the security. And some kids need that physical security, like a weighted blanket, all those things bringing you know, trying to create the environment he should have grown up in. So over time, this kid's really doing well. He's made up his grades in school. He was like three grades behind when they got him. And he was doing great. And he was seeing his, um, a new teacher came to work there. And he had been doing great with the teachers, no outbursts, no problems. Really, this kid was turning it around. And this new teacher came, and all of a sudden, he started acting out. Started throwing things and being disrespectful and not doing what he's supposed to do. And they're like, what is going on? What is going on? I, there's no reason for this. So the teacher was just like horrified that this kid was acting this way. So anyways, time went on. And this Dr. Perry happened to be there the day when the father was coming to visit. So he could only have a visit like once every six weeks for 15 minutes. The father could come and they could sit in a room and see each other. So Dr. Perry was there that day. And the kid was just sitting there waiting, and the father walked in, and the doctor looked at him, and he had the beard. The teacher looked a bit like the father. I was going to say, did the so teacher the resemble someone? the could not get past it. Yeah. It like total breakdown. And once he saw that, then he could work with the kid because then he knew. This kid isn't being bad. This kid is having, you know, triggers. a reaction. Mm -hmm. Triggers. And it's that simple. Like... That kid's bad. He's got to be on more medication. He's really out of control. But it was something very simple. That I can't wait to read this. Do you have? Oh, it with you're you? gonna love it. Wanna, you're um, gonna cry. Do you have the title? Do you know what the title is? The title is uh, "What Happened to You." I love that. I can't wait to. It's I'm gonna read the it. The title like alone is my mantra of my life. Don't that. look at that kid and think he's a brat. Look at him and think, what happened? Why are you this like this? Beautiful, yeah. beautiful, perfect human being. Mm -hmm. Who hurt you? What hurt you? That reminds me of a book I have. Uh, obviously, I have a ton of uh, psychology books them. as well. It's called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. Oh, you yeah. read that one, right? I didn't read that one. I could. I can't read. It's hard. I'm I only like ten pages in. Only because stopped. of the the who could do that? That right. was somebody's child. That what happened to them to do that to them? Exactly. So like it goes back. Like that's what you were saying earlier about like raising kids who are whole. That goes back to like, you know, generations and generations. For me, there was a moment where it clicked for me that like being a mom is such an important job. And I know they always say that it's like the hardest job, you know what I mean? Which it totally is. Yeah. But the reason it's so important is like you're making new hum humans. We're and, growing people. And putting this them out into the world. Job. And there are so many assholes out there. And like. And the assholes came from assholes. That's right. the problem. So if we can get this new Break generation. The cycle. Of looking them in the eye and, and knowing that they have value, that they can see that in us. Yeah. And I always thought I, I was going to be a good mom. And then one day it clicked. I'm going to be a terrible mom because my mom sucks. And then everybody was like, you're so different than your mom. Like, you're never going to be like her. And even just the fact that you recognize yes. that you don't want to be like her and what she did looking internally and like seeing what she did and what it did to me and my brothers. OK, you've just broken the cycle right there. I like said, all right, I'm never going to be a mom, like, uh, which I've taken it back since then. But <laughs> it was it was a really like this was like two years ago. It was a really pivotal moment for me. That's and all so I ever sad. wanted my whole life was to be a mom. You'll be a great mom. You'll be a great <laughs> mom because yeah. you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, now I realize. <laughs> well, yeah. And like you've talked about before, the the whole benefit to therapy has been f- to to allow you to reflect on why you feel certain things. Oh, because it's so important. I mean, and creating that space is so important, yeah. It, and that's what therapy does. If anything that you keep inside you, you're afraid of it or it just hurts you and you don't want to deal with it, will eat you alive. The minute you say it, it comes out of your mouth, you're free. You're that's on your way to freedom. Story of my life. <laughs> yeah. Ben is my other therapist. Um, <laughs> every night definitely, from definitely 8, 8 to 10 p.m., <laughs> We have our therapy sessions. No, for real. Like, what was it, last week? or the Not this past week, but the one before. We had a conversation about me. I can't remember what it was about. Was it about confrontation? It was about one of my issues. One of the things that I struggle with. And Ben was like, connecting it back to my mom and to my past. And I was like, and then I had therapy the next day. And I brought it up. And my therapist said everything that Ben said. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> He's really good. He's yeah. so good. And I just wish he'd go to therapy because it helps. Yeah, he I says to, he wants to. I, yeah. You're going to hear the episode that, that I'm producing right I now. Once you feel, once you say it, it's like, yes. Yeah. I've I talked about it with need him. It. I definitely need it. I everyone, needs it. everyone needs it. Everyone needs it. Me and it's your mom not, are the same. It's, it's not right. a punishment. <laughs> it's a gift. Yeah. Right. Right. To talk to somebody and say all the things that you need to say. <laughs> Are you not listening again? <laughs> all the yeah, things yeah. you, you okay. need to say to somebody who will help you and say, yes, Ben, you're right. Yeah. What happened that happened to you. To you. <laughs> this is process. your intervention. <laughs> yeah, intervention! Go to therapy. <laughs> no, you this will. This is not how I plan this. I'll uh, help you find a therapist. I'm really honey. good at it. It is about just trying to find a therapist. It's just so crappy. The and process it's so is hard. So it's very hard right now. And I have so much distrust for it. But I wanted to say the reason that I'm good in those situations is that I grew up in a house where my friends would come over and sit at our kitchen table and have four hour long conversations with my mom. And then and I would just sit there and I would I would soak it in. I would watch how she processed what they were saying, how she listened, gave feedback, gave advice. And we did that for a long time, too. I mean, until they didn't want to anymore, and I still would try to force it on them. <laughs> I just got to tell you this one more thing. Well, that's the honestly, I one of the big lessons that I've taken from that, and that I carry into this job is when they're not listening, you still have to say it. Yeah, because they when, still take it with them. Because they carry it with. So there are so. I mean, I think our relationship has been defined to a certain extent by sort of defiant and oppositional behaviors. Where I on your part, on my part. <laughs> So despite that, despite me pushing back and challenging and going my own way, regardless of the advice, the things that you said and the mantras that you've taught me and those those little clips of our conversations are are still a huge part of me. And so when I finally hit the wall or the rock bottom or whatever it is, it's there for me. It was and waiting that's a, there the whole time. Yeah. And <laughs> for when you were ready. So it everyone has their own time. Everyone has their own path. Everyone has their own, you know, journey to it. And you have to be patient. And that's part of the work is just being patient. And it's a beautiful thing because you don't get to predict how it's going to affect Mm-mm. or what it is. And I'm sure you've seen your kids go through these kind of moments of revelation where it does click. And sometimes it's really painful because now they have to backtrack. I don't think that I've had that happen yet. Well, I, like you've had it with Ollie. Like Ollie's, Ollie's. Ollie has had it. He's no longer saying I'm a fucking bitch and wrecked <laughs> his life. We'll so he's he's an incredible person. He's always just afraid, and now he's really good for night right yeah. now today. But it's all a process. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, mom, this ben? is what if 
if you could give one piece of advice to people doing the work that we're doing to us to me your son hey what me, would you Ellie, tell us your new daughter <laughs> Ellie, what's Ellie. what's the advice what's the the central thing that you like you have an opportunity maybe you're going to speak to 15 people right now what do you want those 15 people to, to remember that's a lot of pressure no that's pressure like a <laughs> tremendous amount of pressure because no, it's, he a, but it's an opportunity it's an opportunity i love the one line thing so i should be good at this and i i what I do when he does this to me, which is often, um, I kind of just like say the first thing that comes to my mind. It's not always great, but. And then you can say it as many times as you need. Yeah. So if you don't like what you say, just or, start over. Or build off. Because I can, just, well, I can I guess just edit it out. For you and your jobs, the one thing I would want you to know is that they don't want to be bad. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, that was so Nailed good. It. They what? don't want to <laughs> drive the car. They want you to. It's scary driving that car. Like, you are good. Yeah. There's goodness in there. I'm here yeah. to help you find that. Ah, okay. I can't believe that. That's so good. That was amazing. <laughs> they don't want to be bad. No, I used to yeah. say that to, one, to my husband about one of the children. I'd say, get up right now and go down there and grab him. He doesn't want to be the boss of you. You're the parent. Make him safe. I have goosebumps. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I do. <laughs> That's so powerful. That's so true. It's so true. Because kids who have to be the parent in that relationship too. Oh my God, that messes you up so much. It's my, when you have to like my job. take I've, care of your mom. Yes. I can't even imagine. Obviously, that was never my life, but I can never imagine doing that. You have to grow up so fast hmm. when you're not supposed to. And for me, an adopted kid, I don't even care who adopted you or where you've ended up at the very end of the day. There's one thing that's true. She didn't want you. She left you. That is, I think, what they all carry with and them. And that's what the truth is. Yeah. And whether she did want them and she gave them away because she loved them, you're born into this knowing you're not good enough. It's already like you're And if we do nothing else but to try to convince them that they're good. Yeah. Okay, similar question. Um, we actually have some of our students who are listening to our podcast now. Oh, yeah. And they love Religiously. it. Religiously. And they love it. The two episodes we have. They've given us really solid no. feedback. Yeah. Is that um, okay? Yeah, we don't know. It's public. It is, re- 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 it is rated as explicit. So but if their parents care. are monitoring their media usage, Which they would not. be able to say no. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not. So we give them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. We're not hiding what we're talking about. If they're going to listen to we're it, they're going to listen to it. We're also not promoting it. We're not like, we're hey, not promoting kids, it. go listen. Um, <laughs> okay, but my question is, if there are two or three of these kids listening, what is something that you would like them to hear? Again, no pressure. <laughs> so much pressure. No, th- no pressure. <laughs> I think that for me, I would want them to hear that they're good. That it's in there and they have been hurt. They didn't do anything wrong. They aren't bad. Bad things have happened to them, but they are good. And you're there to help them do that, see that. And that you love them therapeutically or you wouldn't be there. Heck yeah, bringing the title of the podcast in, right? Another great answer. Freaking superstar. Have either of you seen Goodwill Hunting? Of course. We're I can't from watch New those. England. We have to watch that movie. There's a lot of movies that I have to read what it's about, and then I can't watch. No. You've never seen Good Will You Hunting? will bawl your eyes With out. With Robin Williams? And oh, Matt Damon? Such, right? such an ama- yeah, and Ben's, Ben Affleck? Ben Brevin. And <laughs> me, your son. <laughs> it's so good, but like what you just said kind of embodies like the really huge moment. You know what I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. 
It's not your fault. Oh, yeah. It's, it's not your right. fault. It's, it's not, not your the fault. The therapist says that to this kind of messed up kid, and he, you know what I mean? He's, like, super smart, but, like, doing, like, throwing away his life, basically. Can't and like shit out. Exactly. And he's, like, a teenager. And he, ther- Robin Williams is the therapist, and he kind of, like, is, I think he's court-ordered to go there. I haven't seen it. I've seen it once, and it was a while ago. And he's, like, kind of, like, pushing against, like, he does not want to be there. Like, he, it's mandatory, whatever. And then there's a breakthrough moment where he's, like, it's not your fault. And he just breaks down. Yeah, he just loses it. Like, he just keeps saying over and over, it's not your fault you're like this. You know what I mean? It's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Right. Which kids feel like they always do everything wrong. They spend their whole lives saying, why am I like this? What did I do wrong? And then they're like, it's my fault. And if they knew that, if they knew nothing else, and that you're not there because you don't like them, you're there because you love them. Yeah. Therapeutic. And it's hard. I mean, I did it probably 10 years ago. I started therapy for the first time. And I went in there like, look, you know, I'm okay. I'm really good. I just, you know, I have some emotions. And my parents did the best that they could. You know, I'm not mad at them. Ten years, the moment comes when it's like, and she would say, stop saying that. I know you love your parents, but stop saying that. They didn't do the best they could. They didn't do right by you. And it's okay. By the time I was done, the total meltdown, the total revelation, like, I'm not a bad person. Those are the moments you go to therapy for. And it's worth it. Even though it created so much drama and stress and sadness and I'm still working through it, I'm free. I'm not a bad person. That's why you go to therapy. That's why you go to those sessions where you're like, we just talked about, like, my dog. Like, what was the point of that? You you have to go to that point, build that relationship, (laughs) and keep going even when it feels like, there's no point to this. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You're not fine. Nobody's fine. Yeah, and it's finding this <laughs> therapist, and you, it takes a long time, and that sucks. Yep. It's so exciting to me to see two young people that get it Heck and yeah. want to get it. Heck yeah. We get it. I don't know about that. Or young. No, I think we do, intuitively we get it. Yeah, intuitively, intuitively you know that there's more to this than meets the eyes. It's not just oh, maintaining sure. a bunch of bad kids. There it is. There it is. Amen. And we all are going to hate them at times, but when you look them in the eye and you see into their soul and you know that they are good, it's a done deal. But also along the way, like what I was saying was like, you're not going to be happy no. every second of every day. That's the There's, best thing that to will never. <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> There's moments of joy. Yes. Stop. Ben, I don't like that when you do I that. yell at him for it too. It's the best. It's the best feeling in the world. <laughs> Clutching your nose. He does it so often. And he's so exactly like my father. It's all right, and that's our thoughts over there. (laughs) And it's over. Family therapy. Yay, yay, yay. This, there's a ton of value here, obviously. Obviously, um, I'll be cut out across the table most of it. No, no, no. I was no. nagging. Literally. nagging. <laughs> you will be the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> My nose is actually... Ben, I do um, love you, and I'm sorry that I do that. Uh, Mom, I love you, and I'm happy that you do it. It's really difficult to express that to you in a way that you would believe, because <laughs> even to this day, <laughs> even to this day, I resist it. I don't hate you. I oh. could, how could I ever hate you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you have given me everything, and you have loved me fully. Anyway, what I yeah, want to say is, what I want to say is, um, thank you for being on the podcast, for taking time out of your day to do that. I know you have a really busy day. 
and that your life is crazy. Awesome. Crazy awesome. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope it brought you some value. Let us know. Like, subscribe, follow us on the socials if you like our weirdness and you want to follow along. Uh, we're here for it. And if you want to be on the show, just let us know because we, we want we, you. We want you, and your voice matters to us. Bye. 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 <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I love that. I'm glad that I'm glad that mom got it. Me too. That was Sweet. a good one. Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs>